Hey everybody, welcome into this week's edition of the Inside Lane. Your host, Andrew Gordon, here with Brad Keselowski, driver of the number six Ford for Roush Fenway Keselowski Racing. Now, Brad, you've had a couple days to process the all-star race that was at North Wilkesboro. What are your takeaways from the race weekend? Yeah, the all-star race in North Wilkesboro, I mean, Andrew, is a tremendous event. You know, for those that couldn't attend, I mean, the atmosphere was incredible. It felt like a college basketball game and um, was really proud to be a part of it, proud of our sport for making it uh, come together and, and looking forward to hopefully racing that race over the years to come. So the, the last time the Cup Series was there, you were 12. So this had to be something that was a little bit nostalgic for you as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I had never been to the track before this this past week. And uh, when I went there, I was just thinking about what this must have looked like in 1996 and how quickly things fall apart and how much work it was for the staff that put that track back together. My goodness, uh, incredible amount of work. And uh, there's a lot for our industry to be proud of. Yeah, definitely. And, and a lot for your team to be proud of as well. You guys, uh, you know, started off the week really well. Of course, the race, uh, things happened during the race, but you have to be proud of going to a, a race for the first time, like, you know, everybody, but you're still, you know, year two in this. Um, what's your takeaway as a, a part team owner here, uh, decompressing or, or debriefing with the team after the weekend? Yeah, we had some peaks and valleys. Unfortunately, we didn't get the finishes we wanted, but we showed a lot of strength in practice and in the heat races with Chris Busher winning the heat race and, and practice. Uh, I think we were second and fourth. So we've been showing a lot of potential lately. Sometimes we're able to capitalize on that on Sunday. Sometimes we're not, but we're, we're on the fringe of being a great team uh, or a great company with two great teams. So we have to continue to push ourselves forward and find that next level. And, and I think it's out there, uh, but we, we got to capture it. Yeah, I mean, you already have three top fives and uh, six top tens so far this year. That's pretty impressive already. Uh, probably uh, something to build on for sure. And you're going to a track in the Coke 600 here at Charlotte, uh, the 2020 winner. I mean, you're not that far removed from that, of course. A little bit different equipment, but this has to be a track that as, as a fan and, and a viewer, I think of you whenever this race comes up because you're a you know, pretty patriotic guy, you know, love your country. And this is just a special race, not just for you, but probably the, the entire sport. They go all out. I've gotten to go to this race a couple of times and, and it's special. It's not just about the race. Yeah. The Coke 600 is a special race and really racing on Memorial Day weekend is a great weekend for, um, all racing fans, you know, I, I think of that Sunday with Monaco and then, of course, the Indy 500 and to finish it off with the Coke 600, uh, just a tremendous racing day. Uh, and, and you want to have your name on the list of winners from that day. Uh, you know, it's it's a, it's it's a prestigious event for us in NASCAR. Longest race of the year. So there's a, a little bit of badge of honor to winning it just in that regard. Uh, and, and a race that I think that uh, most people would consider as, you know, a, a crown jewel of NASCAR, the Coke 600. So you look at the people who've won it in the past, you, you want to join that list. And, um, you know, we, we've got the opportunity to put our name on that trophy twice. Uh, and, you know, it's kind of like the buffet. The first trip was great. The second trip, still pretty great. And uh, would, would like to come home with that trophy. And uh, they give it the Coke machine, too, by the way, which is really cool if you win. Oh, nice. Uh, what, uh, I'm, I'm hopeful that we can go make that race count. Well, what do you do as a driver? Is there anything from going to shortest race of the year to the longest, or is it just, I mean, 600 miles is long no matter where you look at it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a, a challenging event. You know, I, I think of it from the, the mental side, which is, you know, running 600 miles and, and pushing yourself to the limit 
uh, for the 400 laps that that entails and, and not stepping over that limit. Uh, and then there's the physical side of, you know, Charlotte in May can be really hot, really demanding, uh, and it can wear you down, dehydrate you and all those things. So uh, challenging event uh, for sure. Um, when it's over, you know, you, you, you're kind of like, ah, oh, the tank is empty. Uh, but that, that's part of the fun. And like I said, it's part of what makes it so special to be able to win there. And it, the extra, you know, a couple hundred miles does make a difference. You know, NASCAR generally runs 400, 500 mile races. So a 600 mile race, it, it can mix it up. And I think more years than not, the last 100 miles, 150 miles, 200 miles, the guy you thought was going to win it, it doesn't happen for him. And that uh, that can be tough. Especially from like a meteorological perspective, it's so cool to see how the track changes from, you know, starting daytime, going to nighttime. And I'm used to this weekend's race being one of the hotter ones too. It kind of kicks off summer, but, you know, forecasts could have temperatures in the seventies. Maybe that means more grip. You, you run a little different than uh, you might've been in years past. So that could be exciting. Uh, it's something different to throw into the mix for the weekend. And I understand, of course, you get to run a, a kind of a cool paint scheme as well. Yeah, we have our patriotic scheme and uh, it'll look good during the day, but it'll look really good under the lights when the race finishes. So we just hope it's running up front under the lights with the patriotic scheme at the end um, so everybody can see it and enjoy it. Yeah, well, let's take a take a step back here uh, as we finish up. And of course, you got an exciting weekend coming up here. But um, as you've had this journey of a, a part team owner here, uh, what's been the most rewarding part so far can you pick out just one moment or is it just been the experience most rewarding part besides the wins is seeing people grow you know seeing young people come into our company and and you know elevate themselves um you know and, and see that the work and effort they put in uh really create achievements for them that's that's always the most rewarding part well have can you say that you've seen yourself grow in this process too oh yeah i'm always growing um it's been a big challenge for me as an owner and a driver. Uh, you know, you're always kind of bouncing multiple hats and, and that's okay. Um, there's a lot of areas I feel like I've grown and a lot of areas that I've, I've found I need to work on. Um, and, and that's part of the journey. Cool. Well, Brad, best of luck this weekend in the Coke 600. We appreciate you coming on to the inside lane and uh, we'll talk to you again here soon. Thank you very much. Good to see you, Andrew. want to thank Brad again for being on the show. And of course, we are talking about North Wilkesboro still because what a weekend that was. And lucky for Tyler, got to leave Atlanta Motor Speedway, go out to North Wilkesboro. This is something you've been talking about for months here on the podcast. Give me a rundown of what that weekend was like. Well, I mean, it was it was more than a weekend. It was a week full of, uh, you know, just really good vibes. And, you know, it, it's been said a lot throughout, uh, you know, the week of the event. And now looking back on the event, just everybody kind of being on the same page as far as being happy and in support of uh, what was going on. And that includes uh, the community. I mean, you know, we have racing on Tuesday uh, attempted with the weather uh, playing a role there, but then a uh, triple header Wednesday on Thursday, uh, the haulers come in. The The two towns are, are, are a vital part of uh, celebrating NASCAR's return as they should be to Wilkes County. Um, and then we have a, a weekend of on track action that, you know, as as soon as two years ago, you would have never envisioned having happened. Uh, and it, it was just incredible. And, uh, you know, the atmosphere that came with that and the positive vibes, I mean, it's hard to think of another event that's had that. 
Right. And it makes you wonder two years from now, what will we be talking about? Because a lot can happen in two years with that influence. And of course, it took longer than a couple of years to make this event happen. It's been in the works for a while, but definitely well worth it. The the racing was pretty good. I mean, uh, something that, you know, fans have been saying with the long green flag runs, that's nothing new for North Wilkesboro going back and looking historically they had long green flag runs for, you know, that tracks almost entire existence. So Larson was just that good. I mean, watching him come from the back to the front, he just had it dialed in, you know, other cars just couldn't even match it. And there's something impressive with that, whether you're a fan or not, you have to kind of just appreciate that drive. And I mean, he smoked the field and then smoked the entire track doing a burnout after the race. Yeah, and for what it's worth, like I think everybody can come away from this past weekend and say, okay, here are some things that might be able to be done to make racing more competitive. Uh, should we come back here or, you know, uh, for the next short track that we go to? And I know that uh, Goodyear had a little bit of discussion of what they have on the table for New Hampshire um, coming up here in just a, a month and a half or so. But uh, to your point, that was... Everybody was talking about, hey, North Wilkesboro could have been the throwback weekend, and Kyle Larson of the field was itself a throwback element of the weekend. You know, not just all the charm and the uh, characteristics of the track um, that you know made the atmosphere what it was, but his his shellacking of uh, the All Star Field was very emblematic of uh, what North Wilkesboro used to uh, see racing wise. So. Um, I don't know that we'll expect that every time we come back to North Wilkesboro, but uh, it certainly was uh, it, it was certainly appropriate for what the track had had been in its past. Right. And I I mean, there's just some fun takeaways too. You, you're seeing drivers do some different things this weekend that they probably wouldn't do in a points race. Harrison Burton changing only back tires. I don't know if you caught that. He was asked after the race by one of the reporters and he, he just said, well, there's a reason that hasn't been done in a while. So, I think that's a good, a good, uh, a good answer for sure. It's just kind of fun to watch. I just wish he'd caught the caution to be able to throw on the front tires and see how the balance, you know, versus uh, everybody else who would have had to go on the scuffs, I believe, at that point, you know, how that would have paid off for him. But uh, he didn't really get that chance. Um, but yeah, it, it was just a, a wild weekend with, you know, a really old race surface, making everybody try to think outside the box and, uh, I think that's where Larson, not only in the all-star race for a million bucks, but also on Saturday in the truck race, really was the first one to find and perfect what the racetrack had to offer with the fresher pavement on the apron and the not-as-old concrete in the middle of turns three and four, um, really used, and, and then the patchwork uh, on the track uh, as well. But really, th those two stuck out to me him diving off of the banking onto those areas to get the run off the corner. I think that really helped with his tire maintenance throughout the race. And I would have to think if we ran this race again this weekend uh, and everybody had a chance to study what he did with all the question marks people had. And he himself on Saturday saying, I don't think he could do that in the cup car. It'd be interesting to see how everybody else would uh, employ that method. But nonetheless, I mean, he's uh He's a generational talent for a reason. He's uh, very quick to to feel what the car uh, benefits from and and use it to its most effective way. Yeah, very adaptive, and it makes you wonder why other cars weren't doing it or if they just weren't 
able to get down there on the concrete. Um, but I, like you said, I bet they would set the cars up to be able to do that as well. It's almost like a, a little Phoenix to it. You know, you, you got to go where the grip is or, or where the other cars aren't because there weren't really multiple grooves. The, the bottom was just so dominant. That's what I've seen a lot of drivers say after the, the race is that it's not that it wasn't fun. It's just like your cars were only fast in one spot. So you had to kind of use that chrome horn to move people. And we didn't see a ton of that. So, um, you know, I, I think a lot of drivers knew uh that they didn't have a car to win so they weren't going to create their own drama and it was it was still a good race to watch it went very fast you know that was crazy with how many, how many green flag laps there were but uh, for me on a sunday night having to get up early on a monday sacrificing that sleep i was not too upset about it one track we will not have uh, a early night on is going to be for the coke 600 but before we get to that tyler i want to hear your your favorite takeaway from from working on this project or just so your work takeaway and then as a fan what were your favorite things for both so my work takeaway uh, i think is going to go back to just everybody pulling the rope in the same direction right so i spent along with a, a bunch of people uh, stressing a lot about all the things that need to come together for this race, because it was, it's an existing racetrack, but it was one that basically needed to have everything reintroduced to it, to be ready to host fans, host uh, teams, host the media, um, et cetera. And so from my standpoint, you know, I was more so working with the media, making sure the media center was ready up to snuff, very small space. Uh, you know, the, the common challenge across North Wilkesboro is uh, space, space, space. Where can I find some more space? And that's no different in the media center. And thankfully, everybody really came to the race with realistic expectations about what this facility would be able to offer. Um, we and the development team, Steve Swift, uh, and, you know, and all the resources that uh, Marcus Smith made uh, available to be deployed to make this race everything it could be. Um we're really able to exceed those expectations in a, in a big way. Um, and, and it all just works because everybody was pulling in the same direction. Everybody was willing to give each other grace and work together to make the weekend uh, as good as it could be. So it's that from the work side, from the fan side, I, I'm just, I'm just still gushing about, you know, when I walked into the place on Monday to do final prep before uh, we had the first on track action, um, just, the transformation that that place underwent from last fall to today, now being a fully realized and fully capable of hosting premier uh, race event facility. Um, this, this place was dead and buried just a few years ago. And, you know, there, there were a few voices still hoping and still calling for uh, the investment that we have since seen, but the, the overwhelming consensus was that there was not a path for that to happen. And I'm just so happy as a race fan that so many of us were wrong. Yeah. You know, it was great to see that. I think it took some of the big voices to pull that rope in that direction. And they did. So it makes you wonder what's next. You know, um, it's been proven now that some of this nostalgia can get re-earthed, I guess you could say. And I think a lot of people are looking at Rockingham and, you know, some of these other other places as well. That would be kind of bits of our childhood and nostalgia that could be coming back or dare I say even Chicagoland is almost in that 
kind of conversation. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens with the Chicago street race, but they got a, a nice little track that's not too far down the road. And I would love to see how that track races with the car that we have now too. So maybe one day, you never know. Yeah, for sure. And I'd have to are uh, on Nashville for the fairgrounds over there. I know that uh, there's a lot of politicking happening over there. And so, you know, it's not happening as fast as uh, anybody would really like it to. But uh, it'll be interesting to see if and when that comes to fruition, uh, what kind of an atmosphere that will bring with it, too, because I feel like that's the next easiest domino to fall. No, I 100 percent agree with you. That should be there soon. We hope I, I would love to see that as well. So let's transition Going from a shorter all-star race to the longest race of the year, Memorial Day weekend capped off there with the Coke 600. Last year, we had a familiar face in victory lane, and now we've got a completely different setup, kind of, I guess, going in there just because I think you can call it different because there are different aggressors this year. That's going to make this race different. I'm interested to, um, to hear what you have to say about this for the mile and a half tracks, um, you know, I don't know that we have one person of this part of the season be like, yes, this is the clear favorite. I mean, a lot of people are going to point toward Larson because he seems to just figure it out wherever he goes. But uh, you look at somebody like Denny that could do well. But this race for, for me was always fun because you never know who was going to win it. You know, you've had somebody like Austin Dillon win it. Casey Mears, Casey Kane, you know, he was big there for a while, too. It's not always the, the huge A-list drivers that come on top. Well, yeah, and your approximation of who's in contention can literally change throughout the duration of the event. I mean, last year, notoriously, Kyle Larson was out to lunch in the first half of the race, you know, having maybe the worst race he's ever put together in a cup car for the first 300 miles. And in the last half of the race, he asserts himself as a contender for the win and is battling with Chase Briscoe until it all goes upside down there with just a couple laps to go. Um, and that clears the way for Denny Hamlin to win. But uh, it's a to that point, it's a really long race that offers an opportunity. If you don't have everything quite figured out, the track's going to change. You're going to have the ability to make changes to your car. And it really presents an opportunity for the strong teams, the, the ones that you expect to contend to assert themselves throughout the event. But, you know, I'll point out Chase Briscoe battling at the end of that race is, not necessarily somebody that you'd expect as somebody who's established uh, within the sport at that time uh, to also show their way um, over the course of 600 miles by just being there, uh, logging the laps, logging the miles, making progressive gains on uh, the handling of the car on your track position and uh, just running a mentally sound race. So yeah, it's going to be a really interesting one to watch. Um, I'll be in the grandstands nice. <laughs> cheering. But, uh, you know, it'll be a long four to five hours, depending on uh, how scrappy they get. Yeah, I went um, almost a decade ago. I drove the 16 or 17 hours from Dallas to go to Charlotte and watch Jimmy Johnson dominate, which is something we were used to in that era. But I think this is just one of those races you have to survive, you know, and, and just don't go a lap down. Don't get involved in anything. Don't overcook your engine. You know, I don't know exactly uh I don't think it's going to be overly hot. You know, if I'm interpolating Savannah's weather up to uh, Charlotte, weather looks decent for this weekend, honestly. So that shouldn't be a, a factor. Maybe we have some more cars finishing because you started having last year uh, 
Cole Custer at 21st accident, Joey Logano finished 20th accident. So, you know, you're having half the field finish. And if you can just make it to the end, you can salvage some good finishes with um, Harvick third. I mean, he's doing a little better this year. So you've got to put his name in the hat. Um, you had Ricky Stenhouse was seventh, McDowell at eighth. You know, some drivers that maybe aren't on the top of your, uh, you know, list to get a top 10. And then you had a bunch of drivers that had trouble. Brad Keselowski, great track for him, accident, you know, and he finished 30th. So, you know, we talked to him earlier and it'll be interesting to see how he pans out in, in this particular race. Well, and if I'm if I'm trying to prognosticate what we're going to see, I'm really looking back a couple of weeks ago to Kansas, which was a was a thrilling race. And if we're, you know, fortunate to have, you know, a good bit of that sprinkled in for the Coke 600, then we're in for uh, several hours of entertainment. Right. But as far as people who will contend, I'm looking at Hamlin. I'm looking at Larson uh, and the rest of the Hendricks stable. I'm looking at the 2311 bunch and I'm not so much looking at the fours. But to your point. Um, a Joey Logano and a Kevin Harvick can end up sneaking up on you, especially if you give them four or five hours to figure something out instead of two and a half to three. So um, my inclination is to look at the bow ties and the Toyotas just based on how they've been on the intermediates this year and what we saw earlier this month. But, uh, you know, this is also a race that tends to reward veterans making veteran decisions throughout a race. And to your point, being there at the end. Yeah, it's also like who's got the best relationship with their crew, crew, crew chiefs there and, and does not overdo it um, in the beginning, can make those adjustments going from daytime to nighttime. Um, I I just think that it it's going to be a veteran. I don't see um, I, you know a, a young guy coming in and winning this race. We'll probably get a couple surprises in the top 10, and that's always something that I look at toward the race to seeing who's uh, maybe overperforming. That's always exciting for them too, especially the smaller teams. But I mean, you're right on on target with who I'm thinking. Denny's got to get uh, this win, you know, soon. Uh, I think he he gets his stride. He's dangerous. Um, Kyle last year, uh, Bush had a good race, but now he's in different equipment. So we'll see how he can do. He he didn't do the best, probably what he was thinking at North Wilkesboro. So it's it's just interesting. And you know, they have all the pomp and circumstance uh, going on with. Memorial Day weekend, all the drivers want to do better with the names of soldiers on their cars and things like that. So there's just some added value to this weekend. You're not just racing for yourself and your team. And I think that's what makes it a little bit more special. You got to remember too, why a lot of people have a three-day weekend, why you can race on Sunday night because a lot of people are off on Monday. That uh, just adds a lot of uh, value and meaning to the, the weekend in general. Well, and just like what we saw with North Wilkesboro, what also adds to it is you know, this being a marquee event and, you know, people wanting to be part of, uh, you know, a crown jewel race like this and having the opportunity to with uh, Memorial Day and everything that that brings with it and the significance of that and remembering and honoring uh, the sacrifices that have been made. Um, there's going to be a huge crowd for this race. Uh, you know, the grandstands are going to be packed and that's going to bring with it an energy that, you know, starts with driver introductions and, you know, people having that energy like we saw at North Wilkesboro and carrying all the way to the end of the race when, you know, if somebody goes diving into the corner trying to take the lead in the last couple laps and they wipe out and reset the race, I mean, the place is going to be jumping. So uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to it for sure. Yeah, especially being a later in the day race and, uh, you know, fans liking to have some beverages. I think it'll be interesting how the later in the day, who can rally, who can make it to the end. Um, it's just, it's a long race. I can tell you that. 
and, and you will, you know that, and you will experience it on Sunday. And then we get some fun races as things start to heat up going to the summer as well. But first, a crown jewel is upon us. Tyler, appreciate uh, your insight, you know, getting up into North Wilkesboro and, and during it and afterwards. And can't, can't wait to see what kind of projects you have coming up. I know your attention is going to turn to Atlanta soon. What is that? Less than seven weeks away now, I think it is. So don't remind me. My heart starts fluttering, but yeah. <laughs> your guy's on vacation for a while, so we won't bring it up this time. But next time we will for sure uh, talk about that a little bit and, and track preps and things like that going on. But appreciate you coming on again and uh, hope we get to talk to you again soon. Awesome. I think I thank you so much for having me on. I hope everybody has a great Memorial Day weekend and uh, we'll see you on the other side.